Welcome to the first Draft Club, a podcast to help you write your book with joy, clarity, and maybe a few coffee stains. If you're working on a novel or a memoir, whether you haven't written creatively since seventh grade English or you have an MFA in creative writing, this podcast is for you. I am here to help you fight through resistance and finish your draft. I'm Mary Atkins. You can find my three novels, When You Read This, Privilege, and Palm Beach, at your favorite bookstore. If you live in Nashville, you might run into me at the local farmer's market on a Saturday morning. I'll be the one chasing the four-year-old who's just stolen the bell that signals the start of the market. That is a true story. (laughs) Each episode of this podcast, I will be tackling a hot writing topic from how to write when you aren't inspired to how to get a literary agent. I'll share my strategies for tackling questions and problems that all authors face as we make our way to the final page. Each episode is short. We get in and we get out so you can get back to your life and your writing. And this season, you can check out the video versions of my podcast episodes on my YouTube channel. So if you want to watch, just go to the episode description where you'll find the link to my channel. Have you gotten my free training on how to write your dream book with a full-time job and a life? I want to send it to you. If you're working on a novel or memoir, this one-hour training will change your writing life. And I really mean that. I'm not being hyperbolic. Just go to thebookincubator.com to apply for my program, The Book Incubator. The application is only two questions plus your contact information. And if you're accepted, I'll send you the free training along with information on the program with no obligation to enroll. You get the free training walking you through my process of writing a book no matter what. And you will love it. Trust me. So go to thebookincubator.com. It takes less than five minutes and will be well worth your time. Okay, with that, let's get to the episode. I don't know about you, but when I was a kid, there were certain fears that I had that were unfounded. And yet I was plagued by them. I was sure that these things were somehow going to become the way that I died. (laughs) Number one was quicksand. I don't know about you, but I feel like many children, at least to, uh, around my age, my, my generation, those of us who grew up in the 80s and 90s, were really convinced that quicksand was just lurking around any corner. I was so sure that I was going to get sucked up by quicksand whenever I passed any sort of like muddy terrain <laughs> or even um, even uh, you know like sandy areas, I would think I would be like, wait but is it quicksand? So that's the first one. Um, the second one was getting kidnapped in the night. I, you know, kidnapping is a legitimate fear probably for children, but I was nervous about getting kidnapped from my bed in the nighttime, um, which, you know, is a pretty rare occurrence. I mean, there was the Lindbergh situation, but <laughs> um, generally speaking, that's not probably how most kidnappings happen. And finally, I was nervous about somehow getting sucked up into outer space. Like if I were on an airplane and somehow um, a door were to be too open and I would somehow be sucked up into outer space. Okay. I spent probably 99% of my childhood thinking about these things. And then I became an adult and you know, what do you know? Quicksand is not a thing. 
neither is really getting kidnapped in the night unless you're someone, you know, the 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 child of someone <laughs> incredibly famous and wealthy, maybe then. Um, but t- probably security system has your back. And of course, not getting sucked up into outer space. But now that I'm a parent, I have watched my four-year-old adopt his own version of these childhood fears that aren't really real threats, um, including his are lava burning his feet. That's one. Um, accidentally hunting a whale is the most recent one. He, We have a book about whales, and the book talks about how we should not be hunting whales. And so he's concerned that he may accidentally hunt whales a whale and he talks about how we need to make sure we only hunt eggs not whales um and being on an airplane and tipping over which is sort of like my outer space one so noticing his childhood fears got me thinking and thinking about my own got me thinking about equivalents for writers what are writers afraid of that we don't need to be and immediately a few came to mind Um, things that have come up again and again when I have worked with writers. And so I wanted to share them in today's episode. Here are three common fears that I hear from new writers that you don't actually need to worry about. Okay, here we go. Unfounded fear number one is that someone is going to steal your work. Okay, Um, I, you know, you may immediately be thinking like, how can this be an unfounded fear? Of course, someone may want to steal my work. Yes. Yes. I immediate caveat. It is possible. It is plausible that somewhere in the world, there is someone who wants to plagiarize your work. I do concede that. But years ago, uh, a colleague at the company where I was working at the time asked if I would review um, something he had written. And I agree. This was well before I had published any books, but I think he just knew that that I wrote a lot. I was an aspiring writer. And so he asked me if I would look at something he had written, and I, I was happy to. Well, later that afternoon, I got an email from him, and naturally attached to it was the thing he wanted me to review. And it was PDF protected. <laughs> and when I went back to the email, I saw he had he had told me the password, but, but like put in very nervous terms that I should be sure not to share it with anyone. And I just, I don't know, my eyes basically rolled out of my head. I mean, listen, I'm not saying you shouldn't take your work seriously, but even if you are Margaret Atwood or John Grisham or James Patterson, no one actually wants to steal your work. And here's why. I should say, very few people actually want to steal your work. And here's why. You're a writer, if you're listening to this, okay, which means, you you know, maybe you know other writers, but if not, at least you know yourself. Writers are tormented by imposter syndrome, as it is, right? We are are mired in self-doubt, even as we are cursed with this affliction of needing to write no matter what. We are compelled to do it. Even if you're sitting there thinking, well, I don't know if I'm really a writer because I don't write that much. Listen, you're listening to this podcast and that means you're a writer, okay? So whether you're doing it or not, you have the compulsion. You want to write. 
you dream of writing, you're, you have an idea, whether you talk about it with people or not, you have something you want to write or that you're curious about, which means that we're not interested in pretending someone else's writing is our own. If we wanted to do that, we would have done that already. A writer's reason for writing is never just the outcome. Yes, we want to get published. Yes, I mean, that would feel great. That's the dream of many, many of us. But we want to publish something we wrote. That's the point. We don't want to publish something someone else wrote. Again, I think if we wanted to do that, we would have done it already. Also, the very few people who do this get caught always. It's basically a really dumb crime, given that there is always a paper slash digital trail confirming the identity of the actual author. And the way the, that copyright works in the US is that your work is copyrighted as soon as you write it, you own the copyright. You don't have to register it. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to mail it to yourself with a, with a stamp on it. You, you don't have to do any of those things. You immediately own the copyright and it is legally enforceable. Now, whether you could enforce it later is going to depend a little bit on showing that you're the one who, who wrote it, but you almost certainly can do that for the reasons I just said. Whether you're writing on paper or writing on a computer, there will be evidence that you wrote the work that you wrote. Also, you have other actual things to be worrying about, and plagiarism just is so small that it just doesn't need to be one of them. It's like it's like fearing being hit by a meteorite. I mean, that, <laughs> that's kind of how I view it. All right. Unfounded fear number two is fearing that you need to be developing a social media following now before you have written your book. Listen, when your book comes out, you will be expected to promote it. You will be expected to help promote the book as its author. Okay. That's a given. And it's likely that part of that promotion will include uh, promoting it through social media only because that's the natural place to find people, right? That's where you, that's where you interact with people. That's where we go these days online. Um, it's a natural place to find a community of potential readers. But it doesn't need to be social media necessarily. And when it comes, you know, when, when the day comes that you need to do this, it's not going to be something that's like as simple as just tossing up a couple of posts and calling it a day. Now, you're welcome to do that. But when people and, and you know, you're, you're the author. I mean, I, I'm, I'm definitely of the opinion that you're the one who wrote the book and, and you don't need to be the lead marketer for the book because that's not your skill set. And if you have a publisher, then the, the marketing department is working on that. And so you're doing your part, but as the author, who's not a professional marketer, you're not going to be able to sell thousands of copies of your book. So you can relieve yourself of that pressure and you should, because it's not fair to put that on you. Okay. Cause you're just one person. Um, you wrote the book and often writers, we are, we are not the most outgoing people. I find that writers often don't like social media. Many of the writers I work with aren't even on social media. So it, it, it may, there may come a day when your publisher says, Hey, do you listen, do you mind making an Instagram account or do you mind setting it to public? Do you mind sending out a few tweets? And it's like, sure, you can say yes. But in terms of this idea of 
develop like quote unquote developing a following now or developing an audience on social media now often when writers ask me about that i can tell what they're thinking is like like ha- becoming a, a a presence becoming someone on twitter or on instagram who has thousands of followers and they think oh i'm i'm going to need to do that to sell my book first of all no you don't need to do that to sell your book especially if you're selling fiction but also if you're selling nonfiction, even though people will say otherwise, I, that's just not how it works. Now, if, if you, yes, if you have 200,000 followers on Instagram or Twitter, you, or TikTok, I mean, whatever it may be, you're in, you're in a strong position to sell a book. Like it's, it's certainly, it's certainly going to be helpful for selling the book because it shows that you do have an audience, but plenty of people, including myself, sell books with very minuscule social media followings, if any. And I don't just mean fiction. I also mean nonfiction. The other thing I want to say about this is that even if you did need to build a following on social media, a good way of looking at that, I think, is to compare it to learning a new language, since that's essentially what it is. It's a language. If you're not already on there, you are essentially like going into Spanish 101 without knowing how to say anything more than like buenos dias, you would not learn Spanish overnight or even in a few weeks. And you aren't going to be good at Instagram or Twitter or TikTok until you've spent a lot of time there over a long period. So when people say, do I need to develop a social media following? To me, it's often asked in this voice of like, this tone that that suggests it's akin to mowing your lawn once a week or something when really it's like saying you know should i try to should i try to become fluent in arabic by february like it's going to be a huge undertaking <laughs> it is not a small thing which is why there are entire jobs dedicated to running social media i mean social media manager jobs that uh and and jobs like those that that are tough you know and that um, that require some rigorous qualification. Okay. So the good news though, is that you don't need to be doing that now anyway, write your book first. You can worry about promotion later. Hey, before I go on, I just want to interrupt myself to say that if you are loving this podcast, you can find a lot more where this came from on my YouTube channel, which is linked to in the episode notes of this episode. You can also learn about working with me on your book by going to thebookincubator.com. Okay, back to the episode. Unfounded fear number three um, is a little bit cheeky, but I mean it with complete sincerity. Unfounded fear number three is that your writing is not good enough for you to write a book or you aren't qualified to write a book. Quick story. My husband, who is now a geneticist, used to be a voice teacher. And early in our relationship, I asked him if he would please make me a great singer. Because I, in addition to fearing quicksand as a child, also desperately longed to be a famous singer. (laughs) Um, And so I felt like it was just truly serendipitous that I met and, and became engaged to this man well, no, I wasn't engaged to him yet, but that I had met and was dating this man who was who was um, a voice teacher to professional singers because it just seemed like, oh, this is going to be my shot. 
So of course he agreed because I was his new girlfriend. And so we, we positioned ourselves to have a voice lesson. Um, I stood next to the keyboard and he played scales while I was singing notes and he would interrupt me to tell me to change my sound, like to, to experiment with some different kinds of sounds. And as I did it, he, he would be like, yes, that. And I would think, but that's ugly. That sounds ugly. And he would just tell me to keep going because he was trying to get me to explore how my voice worked. And he was trying to understand how my voice worked. I was impatient though. I just wanted to sound good. I didn't want the, I, I, even though I said I had always longed to be just like an incredible singer, I ultimately didn't want it enough to go through sounding bad before I could sound good. And so the lesson lasted under 10 minutes because I didn't want to push through. <laughs> I, lo I lost interest and I didn't like sounding bad in front of him. So what's the, what's the application here to writing? Well, you can't write a fourth draft when you're writing a first draft. And you also, yeah, you, you may not be very good of a writer yet. Sure. Okay. Maybe you aren't. Maybe you don't even know how good you are at writing because you haven't written that much or you haven't written since third grade or you've only written technically or you've, um, you've written uh, legal briefs or you're a copywriter or you're a journalist and you are used to writing in these specific fields, but you don't know if you could write fiction or personal narrative. And if you try, yeah, you, you may stink at first, like, but you got to do that. Like everybody goes through that. I went through that. Every writer goes through that. On your first draft of a book anyway, the point is just to get the story down. Later, you'll worry if the writing is good enough. And, and this is the really important and, we can make it good enough. That is entirely possible. People do it all the time. People get better at writing all the time. It is a skill that you can learn and creative writing is a skill that you can learn. And those are the three myths that I wanted to share today, the three unfounded fears of writers. I hope this has eased some of the burden in your mind and I'll see you next episode. If you're still listening, I'm guessing that you're writing a book or want to write a book. And if so, I want to hear from you. Because when I'm not writing, my mission in life is to help writers write their dream books. I love it. I live for it. Because before I published my novels, I first had to figure out how to write one. And this wasn't easy because none of the writing classes I had taken had shown me how to actually write a novel. It wasn't until I had a newborn at home and only a little bit of time to write every day that I came up with a process. And that process worked. I wrote my entire novel during my eight-week maternity leave. Now I teach that process in my program, The Book Incubator, and it has worked for dozens of other writers. If you're curious to know more and to see if maybe this is the right fit for you, I have a free video walking you through my process for writing a book, and you can get it by going to thebookincubator.com and just telling me a little bit about yourself and what you're looking for. So go to thebookincubator.com, fill out the short form, and you'll hear from me within 72 hours. Happy writing. Thanks for listening and see you next week.